Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. That's uh, Yellow Jackets. It's uh, running on Thursdays at 9pm at Sky Atlantic. You can catch up on Now TV. James Dempsey joins us uh, once again. So is it done in a kind of a faux documentary style, this thing? <laughs> no. So actually, the the journalist that we heard who's digging into the story uh, disappears <laughs> pretty pretty much immediately in that episode. And then I think eventually comes back in somewhere around 7, 8, 9, 10 okay. of this 10 episode run. But uh, it does have quite a split timeline. I think at at some at one point it breaks up even to four parts. So it, it, it's set in 1996 and to 2021. Uh, originally, when they were creating it, um, the creators Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson, who uh, made Narcos and Dispatches from Elsewhere, um, they pitched it as 1970s, 1990s, and a sort of a all female Lord of the Flies type show. Okay. And uh, the network Showtime just made them kind of bring it forward in time to contemporary 2021 so that it wouldn't alienate younger viewers, actually, I think. And they told them to make it, I think, pretty bloody and pretty, pretty visceral. So this is like a funny mix of all the genres you could imagine, right? So in 1996, the Yellow Jackets, who are the like New Jersey state champion soccer football team, they are flying to nationals when their plane takes a ill-advised detour over the Canadian Rockies and promptly goes down. And then we flash forward, really, and I would say it's more flashing forward than flashing back as more of it takes place in the 90s and in the wilderness. We flash forward to 2021 where four of the survivors and uh, we know that there were plenty more than four when we, because we, we see this other thing I'll get to in a minute, uh, are now middle-aged women uh, dealing with the sort of trauma of having <laughs> survived death yeah. and spent 19 months in the wilderness because we know it takes some, uh, takes whatever, 19 months for them to be found. And we also then get this little snippet right at the very beginning that is some months further into their isolation where uh, a a girl is running, absolutely petrified. This is a very opening scene, gets captured in a booby trap, impaled and then presumably eaten (laughs) by her. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Right, Right. okay, this is Andy Survivor's time Exactly, so um, it is a big hodgepodge mix and match of every style going. And I have to admit, I found the first two episodes really satisfying, like just very, very, very good TV. What I liked about it was, first of all, the cast is uniformly excellent, but they've cast, um, you know, lots of these sort of 90s dark Actresses who who played kind of dark, sinister roles are now playing these middle-aged women, right? So you have um, Christina Ricci, who was in The Addams Family. You have Juliette Lewis, who was in... um that murdery one. <laughs> <laughs> Julia Lewis has been a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have Melanie Linsky, who's in Beautiful Creatures or Fierce oh. Creatures. Can't quite remember which one that was called either. Um, and uh, and Melanie Linsky, who is this New Zealander actress who then went stateside and has been in loads of things. She's doing excellent work here, playing this kind of uh, what you would expect to be a very archetypal uh, kind of dissatisfied uh, 40-something housewife Mm. with a teenager and a marriage that's going nowhere. But to say that, like, she brings new depth to what is a very well-worn, well-trodden uh, archetype of 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 TV land. Uh, Juliette Lewis is a recovering addict who uh, is uh, is out for revenge. And Christina Ricci plays, um, plays a nurse who 
was kind of the loser in high school. She's this equipment manager, not really a member of the team, kind of the odd one out, but who had <laughs> done the like, you know, the Red Cross babysitters first aid course twice. So when they crash, finds herself in this new power position because she's able to, um, you know, she has the skills for them to get by. Mm-hmm. So. What I really liked about it was um, the characters, you know, it, it has been compared to Lost in some uh, ways because obviously it involves a plane crash, yeah. right? And Lost came out in 2004. So like we're, you know, we're coming up to the 20th anniversary of the first season of Lost. And this isn't Lost, right? It definitely has some survivalism. It has some uh, weird bumps in the night going on as well in the forest, right? Everything is not quite what it seems. But um, it's a more interesting show in terms of the characters because they already know each other the thing about Lost was it was all these strangers crash landed Mm. on an island have to forge these new relationships what's going on we don't know whereas these are teenage girls uh, who are ready you know and it it brings the kind of like politics of teenagehood teenage dumb whatever the noun is there into this right as in there are queen bees there are losers there are in-betweens and then there's the shifting kind of political landscape of their friendships with each other as things progress and things get worse and and they get hungry I guess also (laughs) it is pretty visceral like uh, the the plane crash itself is one of the more like frightening on-screen plane crashes I've seen in a very long time uh, there's a the you know the this, the gore budget is must be quite high because uh, they are not shy to get out the prosthetics or set people on fire or chop off limbs or do all this kind of stuff but it also is very stylish in how it is shot as well as in like it really reminded me of kind of um, you know, it, it, I thought it like made nods to kind of like Midsummer or or these kind of very mm. arty horror movies that have become very much in vogue, we'll say, in the last kind of five years. So for me, a very, very, very solid start. Now, I also know when they pitched the show to Showtime, uh, the two creators, Lyle and Nickerson, they pitched it over half an hour as a five season show telling exactly what was going to happen from point A to point, well, from season one to season five. Ambitious. So they have plans for Mm. this. And it has been, um, I wouldn't say uniformly well received in the US, but has been quite well received. And it has been like really good news for Showtime, which is this network, which for a while was like a very glitzy, not quite Mm. HBO, but awards darling kind of thing. And since the advent of streaming has sort of I guess fallen, suffered a bit, yeah, yeah. suffered a bit, yeah. And this is sort of seen as like a big hope for them to kind of get back into the the buzz. And so, in certain in this first series, or, um, it, it, is my inference correct that really what's going on is that in twenty twenty one, these four surviving women haven't really told everyone what they did to survive, and that there's a process of discovery there, or trying to keep it secret, <laughs> so that kind of thing. We don't. First of all, we we only know. As as an audience, we're we're ignorant, right? So we only know that four of them have definitely survived, but may, more might have, right? Mm. More might be unveiled as the time goes by. A few other pa- passengers have been sort of hinted or mentioned that. So you you don't uh, from the plane, I mean, obviously. So uh, so you don't quite know who has made it all the way to the end. We don't even know who the girl who gets impaled on in the booby trap at the right at the beginning is except that it's hinted that it's someone but I'm assuming that's a red herring for dramatic purposes right we, it's all a mystery what we do know is after they after their 19 months in the wilderness when they were finally rescued they promised that they would keep all their secrets they would stay underground they would not seek the limelight and that they would go with their story which was that they sort of um, scavenged and searched and prayed and that's how they survived mm. but we obviously as an audience are aware <laughs> that other stuff went on because we, we you know we, we have seen 
already three timelines my understanding is the fourth one is going to be introduced which is even further in the past before they left on the plane so uh, it's going to get I I think the only complaints really that have been levelled against it are that at times it's a little bit convoluted right Mm. and you kind of need to be maybe not watching your phone at the same time as watching this okay but, um, <laughs> but well, as a really like you know 21st century complaint oh you have to concentrate on it <laughs> I know I know but it's so hard to do right? yeah <laughs> um, but uh, but it, it takes big swings and it certainly packs enough into every episode so, so that the ones that it misses you kind of like okay there's going to be something else to come along to keep you going Okay is there and, and do we now have Showtime said whether there's going to be more than one series of Not uh, well I, I'm as yet unaware if season 2 is green lit or not uh, but I, I'm hopeful that uh, I'm hopeful so far anyway. Okay and I suppose yeah if it is it's kind of cute if you're able to or we're not saying it's the new Lost is all you have to say to make people say it's the new Lost <laughs> uh, and uh, boom uh, brilliant marketing <laughs> right we'll move on to our second show of the day it is My Bungalow Bliss it's on Wednesdays at 9.35 on RT1 or of course you can pointlessly try to catch up on the player here's a clip somebody enjoyed putting doors in it's like everywhere you look where I'm standing there's actually six doors off this corridor alone so it's like Everybody was involved in putting disconnected rooms in all over the place. This is an extraordinary bungalow because to start with it was big, then it was made bigger. Now they put an extension at the back. It's like the house that Jack built. This is an original extension to the original house, which is now being covered in yet again by another extension. It's just quite a mess. Right, that's uh, my bungalow bliss. I'm interested that you deliberately using the term bungalow bliss, which, as you probably know, is this book of, of yes. houses that was uh, with, with kind of identical plans in them, which yeah. just consisted of one long corridor with doors coming <laughs> off it. I don't know how you'd knock it. Is it just a one-off this show or could you get an entire series out of looking at houses that are exactly the same? There are four episodes. My word. Now, this is the house revamp show which is like really Ortiz bread and butter. They like And, and, sure. and the yeah. audience love this, yeah. right? There's no, you know, there's no denying that. Um, it is a four-parter in which Hugh Wallace, who we heard there, who is an architect, but I suppose is probably best known to audiences as a judge on Home of the Year or mm. House of the Year, whichever it is, um, he uh, goes around and he meets these four different uh, homeowners who have all bought a bungalow bliss, bliss yeah. of their own and want to do it up. And then he sort of, well, I mean, the show, the producers get a bunch of architects in from different firms around the country to propose ideas and sort of t- tease it out and talk about light and all the kind of usual nonsense. Yeah. And then they get together and they build it. Put a glass box in the back <laughs> yeah. of it. They, they take out part of the wall and they put in a very large window and they paint it white and body drunk. Now, I think as a uh, as a home redesign show, I don't think Dermot Bannon, Dermot Bannon needs to be worried just yet, right? Mm. He has sort of cornered the market of that, of that, of that kind of type of show, right? Everyone loves room to improve it is a Sunday night big hitter yeah. uh, it, it, and the reason why people like it is because they like the architect himself mm. right they like his antics they like how he plays it up they like how he uh, you know has his faux fights with the builders whatever Hugh Wallace has a slightly different role here because he isn't the architect he 
he walks around and he sort of points things out and then he talks to the architects and they give him his design and then he sort of talks a little bit to the owners and he revisits from time to time and we, you know we see concrete being poured in and he eventually when they're doing the kind of final walkthrough of the house he points out some architectural details that he likes and tells us what he likes basically. Uh, so I think it, it, it perhaps is going to I, I thought it was clever to not make him the architect simply because if there's going to be four episodes of this and each episode is about examining the bungalow from, I presume, a different angle or mm. a different problem or or how it has become maligned and how it can be improved, etc. There's going to be sameness there, right? Like yeah, it's going to yeah. be bungalow, 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 mm. bungalow. So it was clever to not make him the architect because I guess in the time brief of trying to get, you know, plans in, it'll probably be very, very samey, right? And that's something that that is a criticism I think that would often get levelled against a room to improve house is that they all look like exactly the same <laughs> house at the end of it. Not, I mean, of course they do and they don't, right? But they yeah. are, they are similar, mm. and that's because the architect there is the same architect and he builds what he likes to build, yeah. right? So I thought it was clever to make to 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 uh, you know source for or source different architectural firms to come up with different ideas here. Uh, not that I would say that the final I mean the final bungalow that they built was absolutely beautiful, stunning, really lovely. It's fit perfectly into its uh, surroundings in Connemara, this lovely green roof, and I'm sure uh, Davin and Nikki are very very happy, but in it. Oh. But um, it was very much you know white walls, <laughs> floor to ceiling walls. <laughs> I kind of I I sort of laughed to myself when I thought this is you know. Why didn't, why didn't they just call this bland designs and, and be done with it? <laughs> yeah. But this isn't grand designs, right? The thing- yeah, as, as a TV producer would say, where's the jeopardy? The thing about the room to improve is that, you know, Dermot kind of goes, I want to put, you know, gar- you know a huge gardens there. Yeah. No, you can't. You don't have the money. There's rows. Things actually have to change because, he, you know, he can't fulfil all his vision. Yeah. Things can go wrong. Well, in this, je- where's the jeopardy? The jeopardy here that fell into their hands was pandemic delays, right? So that is, you know, we, we meet the couple uh, repeatedly throughout the episode where things are not going as, as much as they would like it to mm-hmm. and it's not moving as fast as they want it to. And that is the frustration that they're dealing with. The teaser for next week is that the bungalow is just a bit of a total disaster in terms of whatever they have come across, whatever way it was built 50 years ago. I don't know if it, like, I, I don't know what it is, but it's teased that they are going to encounter these huge construction problems. And I'm pretty sure the line, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong, is used in the teaser, right? But then where do we go after that in three and four? I don't think this is going to become a, like, you know, Room to Improve has, what, 12 seasons, 13 seasons, mm. probably. I don't think that this has the legs to go that far, Right. But I do think there's something to be said for trying to find, you know, trying to find something like, you know, I thought it was clever to to, to sort of narrow the scope to these bungalows, which are very much part of the Irish countryside, right? Sure they are, you yeah. cannot but drive through any rural part of the country and see these dotted absolutely everywhere. And certainly to discuss how they were like a, a resolution to a housing crisis in the 1970s and uh, to compare and contrast that with the contemporary housing crisis is interesting. But it's the same kind of house over and over again. This is like, I mean this really, and it's not faint praise. This is just nice television, right? It's nice people having nice houses in the (laughs) nice countryside. And the stakes were low. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to have low stakes when the world is falling around apart, uh, when it's falling apart all around us. It's nice to just see some people have a nice house. You know, I I think there's a, an element of Irish television particularly that we just are nosy. It's nosiness (laughs) television. It's just seeing other people. Oh, look at that. (laughs) 
What's that? Well, I wonder where she got that. You know, that, <laughs> that kind of a thing. All uh, right, we'll move on to our third show of uh, of uh, the day. It is, appropriate enough, called Work in Progress, season one and two, now streaming on Sky Comedy. Here's a clip. I hate bathrooms. Really? Well, you spend enough time in them. That woman over there just gave me that whole, are you in the right bathroom look? That still happens? Yeah, Allie, it still happens. Well, I didn't think that it would happen here. What are you talking about? It happens everywhere. It's happened to me in gay bars. What? Come on. I'm serious. Every single time I go into a public bathroom, I feel unsafe. I even did my, hi, how are you, voice, you know, so she could know that I'm... Julia Child? A lady. I'm a lady. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Abby, people are ignorant. You just gotta try and rise above. Yeah, rise above, totally. Don't be late to your junior league meeting, you That was her. God, I hope so. I assume that was swearing. It or, was or very bad women. swearing. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. Well, those women were making a weird noise. Uh, you want to see a doctor about that? Uh, all right. Okay. So, um, uh, it's about. Is it about people who work or who are comics? Yes. So it's created by a, a comedian named Abby McEnany who uh, is in her mid-40s. She's a lesbian. She's from Chicago. She had a one-woman show and uh, the co-creator, a man named Tim Mason, he said it and he said, he thought, look, why don't we try and, and make a TV show out of this? And they self-produced and financed the pilot episode and entered it to Sundance and it got accepted and then picked up again actually by Showtime. And now it's also produced and some of the episodes are also written by Lily Wachowski of The Matrix fame. Okay. And certainly uh, this is the reason why I I picked it is because this is sort of one that's been on my list to watch because it has had such critical adoration uh, and I've seen so much written about it and it's the end of year and th- you know yeah, only... running out of runway here yeah. exactly yeah. so now's my time if I yeah. was going to watch it <laughs> and uh, I, I'm going to say it is a comedy on Sky Comedy that is comedy again in inverted commas right <laughs> because when I sat down to watch it, I knew it was about sort of uh, queer lifestyles, right? So Abby is this 45-year-old uh, depressed queer woman in, living in Chicago and she has she strikes up a, a romance with this 22-year-old trans man named Chris. And while, uh, while that is going on, is going through a sort of depressive episode and uh, has, after being given 180 almonds by a colleague because of her weight, has decided she's going to get rid of one almond a day and at the end of the 180 day period if she's not feeling any better she's going to take her own life. So these are not usually like okay. set up punchline kind of comedy, yeah. comedy right? Now I, I sort of went in going okay I, I hope the jokes are going to come because I you know I'm ex- this is this is being labelled as a comedy. The first episode the pilot episode is really funny right? Mm. It opens with this you know very like very black humour but tongue in cheek uh, interaction between her and her therapist. Second episode, really funny. Third episode, really funny. And then it just falls off a cliff after that. And it's just really depressing. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and I really gave like I wanted I wanted to like it so much because it had had such critical adoration and mm. it's like a worthy kind of show to yeah, talk about. Yeah. Right. And I don't dislike it. I just 
don't think it's a comedy right and you need to know that before you go in that the first three episodes I thought were really funny and then after that it's just kind of a bit sad right and it's interesting and certainly it is novel for uh, to see these stories being told like how often do you watch a, a sitcom about a 45 year old lesbian and her 22 year old trans, ma- trans male boyfriend right not, probably not that uh, no, no I'm, I was going to say that the, the, there is a bit of a thing about uh comedy series about comedians uh, um, for the most part but like comedy series where the person is depressed and has mm. some sort of issue yeah uh, I, I can't there's one off the top of my head but I can't think of the name but, but she's from Canada and it, it was a big thing on, on E4 she's very cute I know Pitsy who you're talking about, you know yes. May, talking about May something yes yeah that's yeah. that uh, um, so that, that there's that yeah, uh, and, and there I mean, are other examples this no, is well, kind of a true. thing a bit the depressed well, comedian. Thing. I mean, depressed comedians are ten a penny. Yeah. In, in in any sort of like depiction of them on screen, they're yeah. all, they never May are Martin, happy. That's May right. Martin, that's May Martin is the name. Yes. Um, so what I thought, what I liked about this was there's a there's a real novelty to the performance, right? Uh, Abby McEnany, despite being forty five and a successful comedian and stage performer, had never acted on screen before. So has but but brings a real naturalism to the performance. Like the, her performance is very sad and 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 sore and painful and raw, but at times very charming and funny and easy mm. as well. So I thought she totally fully realised the character because the character is is based on herself. There also is this running segment about a former SNL comedian named Julia Sweeney who played, or is it Mick Sweeney? Yeah, Sweeney, who played Pat, who was this character in the 90s who was this sort of androgynous punchline to a joke, right? right? So the whole point was you didn't know if Pat was a man or a woman. And this okay. was like 1990 to 1994, basically. And, you know, a long time before we were more uh, fluent in the language of, of identity and identity politics. And Julia Sweeney plays herself as as someone who Abby meets and tells her, like, you actually ruined my life by creating yes. this character because I was constantly called this character by, like, kind of obnoxious men my whole life. And they are trying to strike a balance between uh, being apologetic for, you know, bad taste jokes in the past and what it means in contemporary times. There are two seasons of this, 18 episodes. The second season moves into themes about Black Lives Matter and the pandemic and really heavy material, you know, dark, mm. not dark, yes, but a heavy, weighty, sad stuff. And I just kind of would, I was just hoping when I watched those first three episodes that were really funny, that this was going to continue throughout, you know, that it was going to be worth the misery, right? <laughs> and I well, just, it only works if you have like joke, misery, joke, misery, yeah. if you know what I mean. It, one accentuates yeah, the other. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, you can't have a drama that's just drama because that's also tiresome, right? Yeah. But you can't have a comedy that, you know, doesn't have enough jokes. And for me, it just doesn't have them. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay. That is a shame. That's because uh, uh, um, in uh, um, American tra- uh, crime drama about Monica Lewinsky, yeah. I just watched the episode where it's all gone out into the public and the jokes about Monica Lewinsky mm. are like I'd forgotten just how you know you wouldn't do it now no, but you now wouldn't do it now but it was just like she was just fair game for everyone mm. it was like everybody had jokes but then also the jokes about Linda Tripp was that you know is she a man or woman it was kind right, of like that okay. there were loads of stuff about her appearance as well it was absolutely absolutely brutal <laughs> and that was before uh, social media somebody wants to know is uh, Yellow Jackets is it a cross between Alive and Mean Girls 
Yeah, I think that is a fair balance. So you, you're, you've got Alive, you've got Mean Girls, you've got Rashomon, you've got like everything. Honestly, it is a huge, huge mix of every genre you could imagine because there's slightly occultism going on as well in oh. some parts. Okay. Well, they're worth checking out then. Uh, right, thank you, James. Uh, we were talking about uh, Yellow Jackets there, Thursday at 9pm on Sky Atlantic, My Bungalow Business on Wednesdays at 9.35 on RTE1, and Work in Progress Seasons 1 and 2 now streaming on Sky Comedy. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.